So um, today we're going to be continuing in our uh, series on the book of Joshua, and we're going to be looking at the, the, the book of Joshua is about the faithfulness of God, that God is worthy of our unwavering faith because he always does what he says he will do. Now today we want to look at God's faithfulness in regards to the seriousness of sin. We've been looking at the book of Joshua. We saw that the Israelites had experienced a miraculous victory at Jericho. That's the one that everybody knows about. The walls came down. No one could stand against the Israelites. And the Israelites are now feeling like, man, we could do anything uh, with God. And it's here where the subtle sin of, of kind of hubris or, or pride can seep in to the heart and mind because you know we we when we think about things and, and we, we start doing things that may you know cross the line or we, we may not realize how deadly or how how serious uh, the consequences of sin are uh, to our lives and to 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 our family and to ourselves and so God actually graciously gives us a very serious warning that he is faithful in regards to his promises regarding even the seriousness of sin. So I'd like you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Now let's stand in reverence for the word of God. This is Joshua 7, verse 1. It says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regards to the devoted things, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, Ai which was near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Don't have all the people go up, but let two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Don't make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. But about 3,000 men went from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. May the Lord bless the reading of his words. You may be seated. So from this passage, we're going to see that, that God is faithful in regards to all of his promises regarding the seriousness of sin, and we're going to see why that's actually a good thing. You know, because sometimes we think, sometimes you know, we even as Christians we think, well, you know, if God just you know loosens up a little bit about sin, maybe things would be kind of easier, things would be better, there'd be less problems, less guilt, you know, more freedom. But we see that exactly the opposite is true, because we're going to see that God promises that regarding the seriousness of sin, that they really save us from a world of hurt and misery. Sin, when it really shows itself for what it truly is, when sin takes off the disguise of its earthly beauty, we see that it is ugly, it is hateful, it is horrible in what it does to mankind. And we thank God. We thank God for his promises regarding the seriousness of sin. That in regards to sin, God is faithful both to punish as well as to forgive. So let's look at the first point. The first point we see from this passage is that there is no such thing as hidden sin. Now if you look at verse one, it says, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan the son of Carmi uh, took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord 
burned against the people of Israel. Now, in the previous battle, when the walls of Jericho fell, God made it very clear. He said, no one is to take any of the spoils of war, for the first battle is sacred to the Lord, and all the material gain is to be devoted to the Lord because they belong to him. Now, in, verse, in this verse, it says that they broke faith with God. Now, the word to break faith is very strong. It means to violate a sacred commitment. It means like, you know, for example, even a, a, a divorce, the, the violation of a divorce, this is the same thing as breaking faith. And in verse one, it says the entire nation of Israel broke faith with God. That Achan, one of the soldiers, secretly took some of the treasures of Jericho, and we'll see later on that he buried them uh, under his tent. And this is an attempt uh, of hidden sin. Now you look at this and you say, of the entire nation, I mean, you're talking about a million people, there's just one person who took basically three things and he hid them where no one could find them. Now one might think, well, honestly, you know, in the big picture of things, it's not that much. I mean, it doesn't really hurt anybody, his actions. And the bigger picture, I mean, really honestly, of all the things that were given to God, it's, it's not a whole lot. It's not a big deal. But see, that's the th precisely what people say about their own hidden sin. You know, we say, well, I do a lot of things, a lot of good things. Almost every other area in my life is good, particularly compared to other people. We say, considering all the things that we do for everyone else, this one little thing, and it doesn't really hurt anybody. It doesn't affect anybody. No one will know. No one will ever miss it. Everything is safe. It's hidden inside my tent. But see, the first thing we see here in Joshua is that there's no such thing as hidden sin. See, in verse 1, it says right away, uh, there is sin. God says very clearly, there is sin. He says, Achan did it. And he says, this is exactly what Achan did. And see, when we read this one verse, I mean, this is the very beginning, it's real clear that, that God is saying to the church, he's saying, you cannot, you can't hide anything from God. I mean, God knows. He knows from the very beginning. He knows uh, uh, before we even do it, he knows because he's watching. He knows what's in our thoughts. He knows what's in our minds. He's watching us do the sin. He's watching us right now. Uh, I remember reading a book and it was really convicting uh, about the holiness of God. And, and the author said, when you sin, every sin that you do is, is literally in front, in the presence of of the holy throne of God. And, and, and that's very sobering as we think about our lives. And in contrary to what people think or what we might think, it is a big deal when we violate our faith, our commitment with God. And in verse 2, we see the tragic consequences that, that Achan's sin uh, doesn't remain hidden. It bubbles up almost immediately. In verse 4, um, it says, 
3,000 men went up from there to the people and they fled before the men of Ai, meaning they lost this battle. The men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them for the gate and the hearts of the entire nation melted and became like water. We're talking about right after Joshua, uh, right after Jericho, everybody's like, we can do anything in this world. We're gonna win, there's nothing that stands against us. And then after the sin of, a- of Achan, the hearts of the entire nation melted. Such a difference in, in, in just the whole situation. And we see here from this passage or from these verses that God not only knows our sin, but he quickly exposes our sin. That this entire chapter is devoted to the exposure of sin of just one individual. This chapter is actually an expression of God's immeasurable grace and faithfulness. Why? Because we can count on the fact that God loves us so much that he is not content to allow us to live with hidden sin and its consequences forever. God loves us. He knows how horrible it is to live with guilt and with with hidden guilt. And he is quick to expose our sin so that we might find forgiveness and freedom from the bondage that it creates. And so the first thing we really want to see is that there is no such thing as hidden sin. The second thing we see is that we see the faithfulness of God in that there is no other way to avoid the consequences of sin. What this means is that God has provided a way to, uh, to take care of the consequences of sin, but if we do not choose it, then we will bear the consequences of our sin on our lives. Going back to verse 2, just before the battle, Joshua sent the men uh, of Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven. The men went up, spied there. They returned to Joshua and said to him, you don't got to send all the people out there. Just send two or 3,000 and, 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 and don't let everybody have to go through all that trouble and suit up in their armor because we can do this. Because so we can see that the spies here, they speak with a lot of confidence. They think, you know, Ai will be conquered easily with two or 3,000 men. They only have a few people. But actually, the spies were wrong. Ai actually had 6,000 men. Uh, 6,000 uh, soldiers or potential soldiers. And in addition to, the, to Achan's sin, basically the, the nation of Israel was guilty of underestimating the strength of the enemy and overestimating their own strength. You also notice in the first few verses of chapter 7, there's really no mention of prayer, no evidence of, of God's activity, no evidence of the people uh, depending on God. And, 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 but the, 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 after their first defeat, you know, everything changes quite quickly. In verse 6, uh, once the people are defeated and the 36 men are killed, the entire nation, it says, Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, they poured dust on their heads literally all day. They were grieving before the Lord. Now, if you look at this from a military perspective, this was Israel's only defeat in the seven-year conquest of Canaan. And they only lost 36 soldiers, which is very small in terms of battle. And so it seems like when you look at this, like Joshua and the Israelites are overreacting. Just send the whole group up there next time. Uh, But unlike Achan, Joshua and the Israelites understand the importance of the favor of God. 
and they are fully aware that God's favor for some reason has been withdrawn from their lives and they literally spend a full day in contrition and weeping and they're desperately seeking the Lord's mercy. And so God responds to Joshua and he says in verse 10, he says, get up, he says, get up, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them under their own belongings. And therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. In verse 14, in the morning therefore you shall be brought near by your tribes and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households and the household that the Lord takes will come near man by man and he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done this outrageous thing in Israel. Here in verse 12, God tells Joshua the only means of overcoming the consequences of the sin. He, he basically says three things to, 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 his, to Joshua. He says, first of all, he says, get up. Secondly, he says, get right with God. Consecrate yourselves. And then finally, he says, get rid of the sin. Take away the devoted things from among you. See, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, God forgives our sin. He washes away. He makes us completely clean. We're completely forgiven. He takes away the bondage of sin and, and, and the curse of sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and nothing will ever change that. Even all of our sin in the future will not change what Jesus has done on the cross for us. But that does not mean that we never sin. It means now that we have, we have a choice that God gives us the ability to choose not to give ourselves over to our sinful behavior. He gives us the choice to free ourselves when we do give ourselves, when we do sin. But we must do it in God's way and the way that God gives us for overcoming the consequences. See, our way of dealing with sin is we tend to explain well, this is why I did this, and you know, I was having a bad mood, and that's why I did this, or whatever. We tend to procrastinate. We'll say, well, uh, I'll deal with it later. I'll wait till it piles up and becomes more serious. I'll wait till I get caught, or something like that. Or we may deal with it by comparing ourselves with others, or, or judging others. Like we, we start focusing on the sins of others. And, and, and these things that we do, um, they never really take away sin. They never take away the consequences of, those, of our sins on our lives. God says this is the way provided by Jesus Christ to take away the consequences and, 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 and the effect of our sin upon our lives. He says, get up. He says, it's up to you that you must listen and obey God's word. He says, consecrate yourselves, meaning return to God, confess our sin, agree with God that what we are doing is wrong. And then he says, take away, get rid of the sin. He talks about repentance. Stop doing what you're doing. Change your direction. It's no use confessing and then returning to the sin right away and saying, okay, well, it's okay now because I confess my sin. No, he says, you must, uh, you must get rid of the sin. 
must turn away. Even if you have to do this over and over again, we keep doing it over and over again. Get up, get right with God, get rid of sin. Get up, get right with God, get rid of sin. Even if we have to do this every day, even if we have to do this every morning, even if we do this five times a day, this is what God says is the way. Now, I do want to pause here and say that if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior, the story of Achan is not one of fear. It's a freedom. You know, all of us have hidden sin. We have hidden things in our lives. We have fears. We have secrets. And we worry that if, man, if people knew, really knew, they would never love me. They would never accept me. But here's the thing. We know that, that God knows. God knows everything. He knows your name. He knows your deeds. He knew you from the day you were born. And if you're visiting here today, perhaps he has brought you here today, this very day, to find freedom, the freedom that you yearn for. The Bible says that God does not delight in judgment and guilt, but he delights in forgiveness and freedom. That's why he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for sin, to rise from the dead, that if we admit that, that we need God, if we believe that Jesus took my place and died on the cross for my sin, if we choose to follow Jesus by faith, that God promises that we can find a freedom and a peace that no one can ever take away, that no sin can ever overcome that is a gift that God gives us for all of our lives, that is a gift of grace. And I urge you, if you've never received Jesus as Savior, uh, please, please do this now. It's what God offers you today. Now, we look back at verse 14, and God gives some very unusual instructions to the Israelites. He says, I want you to gather the whole nation, and we're going to find out who the perpetrator is by a process of casting lots. And lots are basically... Uh, a two stones or several stones some are black and some are white and so the stones they would throw the stones or they would pull the stones out of a bag and if it was you know white is yes if it's black it's no so he God is saying basically what I want you to do is is get the group break them into two giant groups and then we'll pick out and eliminate one group and then take that group split them up into two groups and then we'll eliminate one group and it gets smaller and smaller and keep dividing until we find that one person now if you think about this um, there's like a million people in Israel. And this is like the least efficient way of dealing with the problem. But since, especially because God knows who's it, who it is, right? God even said at the very beginning, I know who it is. He, God could have just said, hey, Joshua, by the way, it's Achan. He's that guy right over there in the blue. You know, I mean, he could have done that and save all the people from this long process of elimination. But why is it that, that God wants to go through this long process? It's because if by this time Achan doesn't know how serious his sin is, he's going to figure it out when the, when, the, when the group starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And God in his patient love is giving Achan time to come clean and to say, it's me. I mean, you can imagine as each group is eliminated, you know, Achan's sitting there with 500,000 people, and he's thinking, there's no way they're going to find me. And then that group gets eliminated, and he's like, okay, well, there's still 500,000. There's no way they're going to find me. And then pretty soon, he's like, okay, let's break up into 200,000. Okay, I'm on this side now, 200,000. Oh, no. They've, no, there's no way in 200,000. It just keeps going down and down and down, literally, till it's like 
two people. Two people. And in verse 17, you know, we, here we see the stubbornness of Achan. That Achan holds out to the very end. He refuses to confess and repent until literally the, he is the last man standing. And he is forced to confess. See, this is a clear contrast between Joshua and the elders and how they deal with sin and how Achan deals with sin. Joshua and the elders are quick to humble themselves, seek God. They literally pray for an entire day and they follow God's instructions without straying. Achan, on the other hand, spends the whole time hiding his sin, dwindling, his hope is dwindling, continuing to hope that he's going to get away and he only confesses when he's caught. See, church, we need to realize that God graciously gives us the opportunity for forgiveness. This is the faithfulness of God regarding sin. That God will often go through a long process, give us ample opportunity to recognize that we're not going to get away with our sin. We're not going to get a, a free pass. We're not going to beat the odds regarding confession that we must follow God's way. We must get up. We must confess, consecrate ourselves, deal with our sin through confession and repentance. And God promises that he is faithful to forgive. This brings us to the final aspect of um, God is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach, that all should reach repentance. That's his heart. And this brings us to the final aspect that the wages of sin and the gift of God. Now this is the hard part of the story. But our understanding of God's faithfulness would not be complete without it. Verse 19, Joshua says to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God Israel and give praise to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord. This is what I did. When I saw the spoil... Uh, the beautiful cloak of Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold. I coveted them, I took them, and they are hidden inside my tent. And then um, it says that Israel stoned Achan and burned him and his family with fire. Stoned them with stones. Now you may say, well, what, what the whole family? Well, probably the family was involved in the, the cover-up of hiding in the tent, uh, hiding things in the tent. And from this we see that the wages of sin is death. Now again, this is a really difficult part of the truth of God, but it's God's truth. The ultimate consequence of rebellion against God and the stubborn refusal to repent is death. Now you may say, well, Achan, he confessed his sin. He said, truly I have sinned, but this is not really confession and repentance that comes out of a humble heart. It's simply the acknowledgement that God's judgment is just. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, meaning whether you like it or not, you will have to confess and acknowledge that sin is sin, that your sin is sin, and that Jesus is Lord. The salvation does not come to everyone who is simply sorry about their sin, because even Judas was sorry that he betrayed Jesus. It's only those who take God's gracious opportunity to humble themselves to confess their sin, to repent, 
to trust Jesus for the full forgiveness of sin. It is only these who will experience God's full restoration and God's salvation. Now again, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, your salvation is, is rock solid. It will never be taken away. But the consequences of our sin, if we do not confess our sin, uh, will often remain. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When Achan is an example of the consequences of sin, Joshua is an example of the gift of God's grace. If you look at verse, chapter 8, verse 1, this is the next chapter. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you, go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered them into your hands, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and the king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off the plunder and livestock for yourselves. So we here, see here in verse one of the next chapter, God reiterates his promises to Joshua. He literally says to him again, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. What he said from the very beginning, take the whole army with you. And the same thing with Jericho. He says, I've delivered this, I've delivered this into your hands. When Joshua and the nation of Israel listened to the Lord, expressed their proper actions and heart of true repentance, they experienced the full restoration of God. Full restoration. God didn't say, well, um, we're good for now, but next time we'll see what happens. God didn't say, well, since you did this, now you're going to have to prove yourself before I actually give back my promise to you. God didn't say, well, seeing what you did, you get plan B, the plan B promise. No, God says he's faithful to do exactly what he said he was going to do from the very beginning. God is faithful to his promises regarding sin. He is faithful in regards to punishment as well as to forgiveness. Now, there's two post-credit, if you want to say post-credit spiritual lessons here that I do want to end with. The first one is in regards to, um, they, they give us a, uh, basically some very interesting details in regards to God's faithfulness. In Joshua chapter uh, 8, verse 2, uh, it says, You shall do to Ai as its kings did to you, uh, did to Jericho and its king. And he says, Except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Now this actually emphasizes the tragedy of Achan's sin. I mean, you really think about this. God says, okay, the second city, you could take whatever you want. So see, if Achan had only waited until Ai, he could have enjoyed the bounty and reward of his victory. Because normally that's what, uh, that's what you do. When you conquer a city, you deserve to get these things. And God says, well, I know you deserve this, but the first one, Jericho, you give to me. And of course, Achan's like, okay, but I still want what I want. I still deserve something. I'm gonna take it myself. Uh, even though God says he wants everything. Uh, if he just waited till the second one, he would have been fine. God says, now it's all yours. But see, the thing is, is that uh, a, a lot of times we think, you know, God gives his commands because he wants to withhold good things from us. He, he doesn't, we don't get what we deserve. We don't get the things that we want and the things that we, we think we should have. And, 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 and so we try to take them for ourselves. And, and this is what happened to 
to, um, to Achan. He says, I, I deserve this. I, you know, I need this. I, after all I've done, I, I, I fought the battle. I, you know, I got the victory. I deserve this. I deserve it. Just a little bit for myself. I could just take it. Who cares what God says? I want to take it for myself. God's still got a lot of stuff. He gets his stuff, but I want mine, uh, and I'm going to take it. I don't care what God says. And if only he was willing to wait until God says in the proper time, I will give you the good things for yourself to enjoy. You don't have to take them. You, you trust me that I'm a good God, that I don't withhold these things from you. I, I want to bless you, but you have to follow me. You have to, to listen to me. You have to, to walk in, 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 in patience and, and, and receive the things when I'm ready to give them, and then everything will be well. The second post-credit we've seen, we see here, it says that all of Israel stoned him with stones, they burned him with fire, and they raised a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now we look at this, and when is the last time that we saw the example of a heap of stones set up as a memorial? It was at the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River, where they set up a heap of stones. It says, God says, I want all of Israel to remember this moment because it's so important that when you enter the land that you know that God gave this to you, that even when your children hundreds of years later, generations later ask, what are these stones about? That you can tell them that God is faithful, God is great, that God gave you this land. Now he says to, um, to the Israelites, I want you to set up another set of stones. And this is equally as important that when your children, generations from now, see this heap of stones, that they will also remember that God is faithful in regards to the seriousness of sin. That God calls you to be a holy people. And this, this, this monument of stone in the Valley of Achor is a sober reminder of what God calls you to be as he has given you this place. And, and that's equally as serious as the good and great things that God, the miracles of God in bringing this land. And so as we come to communion today, and communion is a very special opportunity to be reminded of what Jesus did, what God did for, uh, for the forgiveness of sin. That we also, as we take the communion, remind ourselves again of the promises of God, the faithfulness of God regarding sin, that he calls us to be a holy people, and that he gives us everything that we need, the grace of God to be that holy people so that we might bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. And so let's go ahead and let's prepare for the communion. Let's go ahead and quiet ourselves in prayer. And if you're here and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, when you're ready to come forward, please do take of the elements and gather with somebody and just spend some time in prayer as you take those elements. Thanking God for his faithfulness. Being reminded of his faithfulness. Asking God that he would renew in our hearts a call to be his holy people. And so when you're ready, please come forward. <clears throat>